This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hello, today I'm talking to Kira from Pico Party. So Pico brings sustainability to all occasions with a current focus on children's events. So what Kira sells is sustainable party wear. And we had a really great conversation about why she chose to start a business selling these products, um, some of the issues around sourcing them, what sustainable party wear even is. Um, and we, yeah, we covered all kinds of things. I was super, super impressed um, with everything that Kira shared and everything that she's done and her vision for the company. Um, Pico is still a relatively new company. And yeah, I was super impressed and inspired by all that Kira's achieved and all that she plans for the future. So I really hope you feel as inspired by this conversation as I did. And I'd now like to introduce you to Kira. So hi, Kira. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, no worries. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited. Excellent, me too. So can we start with you please giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what you sell? Yeah, so I'm, my name is Kira. I'm the founder of Pico um, and what we sell in a nutshell is sustainable children's party products. So we started just over, started trading just over three months ago um, but Pico has been in the making for just over a year. I first had the idea um, start of April last year um, and basically why I started it was I was really shocked about the lack of sustainable party products in the market. Um, and I really wanted to create a company that was, you know, also enjoying life. So having the parties, having these special occasions, um, but also kind of thinking of the planet at the same time. So all our products are completely plastic free and that's plastic free in both the product and the packaging. Cause I used to get quite frustrated when I would order a paper party product and it would come wrapped in plastic. Um, so that's something that's really important. And the beginning of the life of the products have thought about. So they've either been made from recycled materials or from FFC paper. Um, try to keep everything as in-house in the UK as possible to reduce the emissions. Um, and also that afterlife has been carefully thought out. So, you know, making sure that these products can either be reused or recycled or either home composted as well. So I'd say that's in a nutshell what we do. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. And I was about to ask you what sustainable party wear was. So thank you for explaining that as well, because that's really useful because um, I wasn't sure if everyone would sort of 
know what that term meant um so could you maybe what might be nice if you can give us a, like um an example of some of your products because obviously I've had a really good look at your website and your range but not everyone has um mm. so what examples of apart from um the sort of paper plates and cups what are some of the other products that you have so what we started with is three ranges so I'm starting with children's products um I the reason why I did that is I come from a really big family so I'm constantly surrounded by cousins um, and, you know, most children do have um, a birthday party. So we started with three ranges, which are dinosaur, under the sea and safari. Um, and we started with tableware sets. So in the tableware set, you get a placemat, you get the plates, you get the cups and you get napkins. Um, and that's all included in the Pico Party tableware set. Um, and they've been designed. I'm really lucky. I've got a very close friend of mine who's an illustrated designer. Um, so she has designed all the products because another thing that I found with the market was there was, you know, few sustainable products, but the ones that were sustainable were quite boring and brown. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that if that's the kind of vibe or theme that you're going with for your party. But I wanted to create really great looking party products that um, are stand out, um, but also have that sustainable aspect to them. So as well as like the tableware sets, we've also got like paper decorations. Again, these paper decorations, we've got like garlands, we've got like honeycomb balloons. Um, I love the honeycomb balloons because they're shaped like balloons, um, but they don't, but they, um, they're not actual balloons. And then we've also got the honeycomb balls as well. So it's, you know, small to start with, we're only three months, but I really want to expand the range even further. I'm already talking about what, next tableware set we're going to add on um and then hopefully you know i think the next year stay within children's parties but then hopefully start to expand their ages even even further to all different occasions oh thank you so much for explaining that and i'm glad you talked about the honeycomb balloons because they're my personal favorite as well from your website because right? i just think they're so clever and yeah. the fact that i guess you can fold them flat again and then bring them out um I really I really like that and that's something I've been trying to do myself is sort of buy a birthday banner but you know without an, an age on it so you can just bring out the same one every year and I think that's quite nice as well because it hopefully as well as being sustainable it will like for families create traditions if they always get out the same birthday banner or bunting or whatever it is I think that's just a really nice thing to have yeah, no, I 100% agree. And it's, you know, that reusable aspect. So at the moment, you know, we have just got the paper decorations, but all of them are really good quality. So it means that like I've used some of the honeycomb balloons, you know, multiple times. Um, you just, as long as you're not like ripping things up and so forth, but you can, if you're careful, you can reuse them. Um, but, you know, one occasion and then another occasion, which is really, really great um and yeah like with the happy birthday banners things like that that's something we're looking to add so then you can put it in the drawer and then you can have it out so you don't have to keep I think we do have this culture of like okay it's a new party it's a new event we need to buy a new thing but actually I think we really do need to change and it's going to take time and I think even for myself you know um you kind of have that culture of like I need to buy a new thing for a new party like you need to buy a new outfit um, but trying to change that kind of mindset and trying to, you know, buying once and buying something that's, you know, fairly good quality and then you can keep it for years to come. Yeah. And I think as well, it probably is cheaper in the long run to do that 
as well. Um, when you think of like cost per use, I'm sure that if you're taking care of that, you know, you've got a nice banner and you're taking care of it and you're using it, you know, year after year, it does become cheaper than buying sort of cheaper once, you know, one time use things every year or every couple of times you know whatever however often you have events um I definitely think it works out cheaper in the long run as well oh yeah a hundred percent and it's like if you have some like you said that sentimental thing that you you bring it out for every party you can keep that from years to come if it's something that's you know of good quality and then you can pass it on say to your child and then their child and then they can keep it it's a nice tradition to have um so yeah I completely agree with that Definitely. So I think your sort of inspiration and your vision for Pico is so, so clear, Kira. Um, But how did you go from that to actually setting up your business? So you mentioned you had a friend who helped you with um, the the illustrations, but I guess there's so much else that goes alongside it. Um, I guess, and a big part of that, and I don't want to preempt anything you're going to say, must be sort of finding suppliers that can deliver on your vision as well. So do you mind talking us through? So you you came up with the idea and then... um, where you took it from there yeah definitely it was a long process um so like I said I started thinking about Pico in April of last year and then um we launched in February of this year so I guess the reasoning behind Pico in a nutshell is as I mentioned before I come from a really big family so my dad's one of ten and my mum's one of four um and I was constantly going to these you know uh, parties and it was just the these products that were completely plastic and I was just like why is there nothing that's shocking that is there nothing out there um and to give you a bit more back of context I my last year of uni I did quite a few modules on like ethics and sustainability in the circular economy so it really kind of got my interest and I've tried to be more sustainable in all my approaches so it kind of just started out as me looking for products like I was like let, I'm going to look for sustainable party products and I was just really shocked I was like there isn't really much out there there was maybe a few companies that had like a small sustainable range that was again quite boring and nothing really that exciting um and I was just like is there not one company like their focus is about making um party products more eco-friendly and I just really couldn't find anything so then I probably spent the next like two three months really researching the market looking at what the competitors were doing just really making sure that there was nothing out there not that it may would have stopped me but just if there's someone already doing it really well um maybe it would have you know stopped me from doing it but I just couldn't find anything and then the more I started to do it the more I kind of became obsessed with it um so getting up really early you know working a full-time job but then getting up at 5 30 to do pico in the mornings and then pico in the evenings and obsessed I think in a really good way you know I sometimes it was hard because I was working long hours but like I just really enjoyed doing it and I really wanted to you know change change the party industry um so and then in terms of like getting a supplier well suppliers it was hard it was tough because and then I started to realize maybe why there wasn't anyone in the UK doing it because it actually was really hard to find suppliers um so traditionally with the party industry um, and the kind of companies out there at the moment they get everything from China so they have one manufacturer in China and that manufacturer does their plates their cups their you know garlands does everything so they can make sure everything kind of looks um, you know united um, and as well it's just easier they can go to the supplier and just be like can you get this done 
I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep things more in-house, close to the UK, um, just to save on the admission costs and, you know, really to try to keep that sustainability aspect at all times in all the products. So instead of going to one supplier, I had to go to multiple suppliers for different products. And that was tricky. I remember I probably spent about five, six months just trying to find a supplier and it was tough. Like I couldn't, it was, I couldn't find really ones at times that could do what I wanted. Like there would be some times that I would find one that could do what I wanted, but they wanted a hundred thousand minimum order quantity. And that was, you know, huge investment for me at the beginning when I, I, I didn't really have the capital to do that. And I also didn't want to be investing in this huge stock and then not selling it and then having to pay for, um, you know, somewhere to um, keep the stock. So it was a struggle. It really was. But I'm really glad I didn't give up because then I did find suppliers who could do what I needed. And it's still, I would say, not perfect, but it's definitely closer to what I want it to be. So example the placemats are made in the UK and so are the cups um, and the napkins are made um, in, in Germany so again it could be UK but there was no one in the UK that actually could print napkins that I needed um, but that's something to think about for the future you know how I can bring that more in-house and maybe making the napkins in-house um, so yeah trying to keep everything as close to the UK as possible um, but also having that sustainability aspect and the way the products are made and what the materials are made for. So, yeah, it was a struggle. It was. Um, but I think it worked. It, I kind of got there. And I think the more I'm actually in Pico, actually, I have people reach out to me now, suppliers, which kind of blows my mind because before I was always trying to reach out to them. Um, so I think as we go, my aim is to just keep adding more products and really keep that sustainability, that eco-friendly aspect to them at all times. And I think we're just starting, and I think there's so many more things that we can do. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to take time to get to, you know, make it even more eco-friendly as possible. Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely agree that I'm sure that as, the, you know, years go by, you will be doing more and then things will change. But I have to say, I'm really impressed because I know you say it's taken a long time, but really in just over a year, you've done a huge amount. Um, and yeah, I really resonated what you were saying as well about sort of getting up early and doing a couple of hours before you started your day. And I think that's just sometimes the way it has to be. And I'm really glad that you got where you needed to be in the end. And just uh, when you're talking about the suppliers, so how were you finding them? Because I think that's something people might be interested in is, you know, were you just using Google or were you going to trade shows? What were you what were you doing? So I didn't actually go to any trade shows, but I think that would have been something that could have been a good idea. Definitely. It was Google, but, you know, not just I would say not just aimlessly kind of Googling and, you know, just looking. I had like a really detailed spreadsheet making sure, you know, every time I'd contact probably like maybe 20 suppliers one morning and then every time they got back to me, I would then comment if they couldn't do it or if they could um, and making sure that, you know, I wasn't just reaching out to the same one twice, um, but also, you know, talking to other suppliers. So, you know, if maybe one supplier can't do what you you want, um, just asking them, do you have any recommendations? You know, they've been in the industry normally for quite a long time um, and that seemed to kind of help as well. But yeah, it was Googling um, was my main kind of way of um, finding them. 
Uh, yeah, I do think that's underestimated. Sometimes when people ask me how to find suppliers and I say Google, they think, I think people think maybe there's uh, more to it than that. But Google mm-hmm. in, a, in a spreadsheet is how I've always done it as well. And um, I don't know if you found the same, Kira, but something that I would add is, I always found that you had to go beyond page one of Google. You had to go deeper into the searches than you would if you were doing like a regular search in your day-to-day life. Like sometimes the supplier you need might be on page four or page five, which most of us, let's face it, don't go that far. Um, But I found that sometimes there'd be a great supplier, but they're a really small company based, you know, somewhere in the Midlands. And so they're on, you know, they're not on page one of Google, but they are exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I did the same thing, like you know, trolling through um, Google and also trying to change what you're searching. So maybe changing like a few words. Um, like I was looking for full coverage napkins, which no one does in the UK. Um, but trying to, you know, type it in in a different way when I, before I knew that, you know, it couldn't be UK based. Um, but just changing that search time a little bit seemed to help but yeah it it was a, it was a struggle and it, you know it it wasn't the funnest thing to do um it was exciting in a sense because I was like every time I got closer to finding supplier that was exciting and then I got closer to making Pico you know the vision become reality um but it's I think it's definitely one of those things that you just you can't give up because I remember there was points where I was like oh, I don't know if this is even possible like I you know but I think you have to take and it sounds so dramatic just trying to find a supplier, but that's what I needed to then make Pico, you know, become what it is. Um, but I think, yeah, you just have to like kind of not give up and just keep looking um, and just keep reaching out to people. And it, you know, it, it will happen, which thankfully for me, it did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for explaining all of that, because finding supplier is obviously one of the most important things. And I personally think it is possibly the hardest and not hard in terms of what you have to do because I mean it's relatively easy isn't it well what am I trying to say it is searching and reaching out to people which isn't like a you know it's a skill that all of us can do it but I think what's hard is the fact that it can be quite boring and quite soul destroying and I like the point you made about trying different search terms in Google as well because I think often we don't really even know what we're searching for um because sometimes searching like I don't know napkin supplier um i i don't know if you found if the same but often i think when you do so any of these searches what you end up with is a lot of wholesalers rather than the actual manufacturers so i think yeah learning how to sort of tweak your searches in google is definitely yeah. a skill as well and you do need a fair bit of patience oh yeah 100% and i think like i had a lot of suppliers say to me like why don't you just buy products that are already made and i was like no i want to start something new i want to you know do something fresh um so you know and not you know sometimes you do need to listen to people and if they have experience 100% I think do but sometimes if you're going with your gut feeling like there's so many times people said to me why don't you just buy some things that are already made and you know resell them and that probably would have been the easy route but I'm really glad that I didn't because now we've I think our products are great and they are really unique um and that's kind of the Pico branding and that's what we want to be. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had products already in the market. I'm so impressed, Kira, that you how much you've held on to your vision. I just think that's so impressive. And I think it just goes to show that having a really clear vision, I think you, you do get there in the end because you, 
you, you know, it sounds like you were so like laser focused on this is what I want and this is not what I want. And I, I think that's honestly, I think that's really helped. Yeah, definitely. It's probably at times been like, <laughs> I think my mum's like, you put yourself under too much stress because <laughs> you're like, she's like, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's probably, <laughs> it's, I think definitely that like going with your gut and, you know, like you said, going with like the vision, that's something that was so important to me. And I knew what I wanted to create. And I, you, but then also I not being so naive and just creating something that you want, but actually talking to your target market. So I'm not a mum myself. Um, so probably think quite mad can I'm targeting mums, but I have a lot of mums around me, who are my cousins and my aunties, my family, but also going, maybe sometimes they will give me information just that's maybe trying to make me feel better that you're going to other mums and like I'm constantly when I you know on Instagram or like um mums even just like you know talking to like next to a table that I've met asking them like what do you think to try and get their feedback um because I they're the people that you know are going to be buying the products so I really need to even though I've got this vision and keep it um within keep it like in a clear sustainable and good looking way but finding out what they really want and they really need and making sure that it's products that they actually want to buy as well that is such a good point and I'm so glad you brought that up as well because you're right when you have a clear vision it can be so easy to get stuck in your vision and not think about people who are buying it but I guess they are they're, they're the same but different also I guess because I mean your vision was you know to have products that are sustainable and reusable um but then I guess the other things around sort of how they look and sort of themes and color I don't know colors and I guess there's lots of other things that you know it's great that your customers are able to give you input on and um yeah it's brilliant you were doing that and I can see that from your post that you're still doing that as well so it's great that you're talking to your customers so much because they will obviously tell you what they need and which will really help inform things yeah. going forwards um what I am really interested in as in as well Kira is so obviously traditional when I say traditional I think I guess I mean plastic um <laughs> party products have been around like you know since I was a kid and I'm quite old now um you know like balloons and paper plates that go in the bin and things like that um so so what I guess is a two-part question so are you finding there's a lot of education you need to do around you know why people need to be thinking about more sustainable party products and if so sort of how are you addressing that because I guess that's quite a challenge that people might not be always looking to buy sustainable although I think things are moving in that direction and sorry because I've asked you quite a lot of questions in one I was trying to think of a more succinct way of saying that yeah no no that makes completely sense so yeah I mean you know I'm 23 now um but I remember growing up and we had plastic everything at my parties plastic you know party bags plastic plates everything was um and the more I kind of researched into, you know, why plastic was an issue was so only 9% of plastics in the UK actually get recycled. So you put them into the bin um, and just the way kind of like our um, waste infrastructure is that only 9% get recycled, which is huge. And then these plastic items, which we use once, um, take hundreds of years to decompose. And then they also think that in twenty. 2050 there's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish which is a scary thing as well um and obviously the, the micro um I've got the word now um 
um, the plastic microfiber, that's it, um, they're going into the ocean and they're going and then fish are eating them. And then the fish, we're eating the fish. And then also, sorry, I can go into this quite quite a lot, but um, also, you know, if you have like plastic in the soil that goes to landfill and then that go, that can get into our water system, then we can drink the microfibers. So it's quite a scary thing, I think, to think that, you know, plastic, I know it seems harmless and you use it once, but actually, you know, millions of people and millions of people do use these plastic items, then it can cause such like a damaging effect to um, our planet. And I think even though, you know, some plastics are recycled just because of the way the wasting structure is, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't actually get recycled. So trying to move away completely from the plastic products. And as I said earlier, you know, pl plastic free in both the um, product and the packaging. So not just having like a paper product, but actually then having the packaging um, be made of tissue paper as well. So um, it doesn't have the plastic aspect. And I'm, I'm not, you know, saying plastic is like the worst thing ever, but I definitely want to, for me and the research that I've done, it doesn't feel right having any plastic in the business. Um, but also I know that paper, you know, has its challenges as well. Um, paper is more likely to be recycled than if it went to landfill, it takes less, it takes a few weeks to decompose rather than a few years. Um, so that's why going more down the and adding more reusable products is definitely something that um, I want to consider and I have considered and want to add to. Um, so yeah, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> So Thanks. I think I went on and waffled there. <laughs> no, you didn't. That's so interesting. And that fact, I don't know if you saw my face when you said the fact about, you know, plastic and the fish. I was like, what? That's yeah. just scary. And yeah, and, and with um, just it's something that I don't know. So with paper party products, so I'm thinking plates and cups, can they be um, disposed of in your... Are they, can they are they biodegradable or are they sort of recyclable like you recycle because I think once you 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 have food on plates you can't recycle them is that correct yes yeah and I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that you know is in my mind actually constantly so with the cups and stuff it's fine you can get rid of the the drink and you can just put them in the recycling bin but the cups that we have can also be so it's quite confusing but in the UK, we've got home composted and then we've got industrially composted. So industrially composted means that it goes to this waste unit and it can it can decompose, but it's done in, in an industrial environment. Um, and there is a difference between home composting and industrial composted. Not all products can do both. With um, our cups, they can they can be home composted. They can also be industrial composted and they can be recycled. I recommend, so we've got like a page for what we recommend to do. Um, I recommend always recycling them because then they can go back and they can be reused and made into new products. So that's what um, my stance is. But say if you did get them covered in food or whatever, then you could like cut them up and then literally put them in your compost um, at home and that wouldn't be an issue. Um, and similar with the plates. So with the plates, if you have, you know, some kind of like you know like cake or something like that that hasn't got food all over the cake all over the plate then it can be recycled it goes into this big kind of container um and like the water will kind of get rid of any of the residue and so forth um 
but if you know say you get it covered in ketchup and um other you know other products like sauces and stuff like that you can cut it up the, the plates and you can put them again in your home compost that's not an issue um most household units don't have waste structures that go to industrial compost units so i i don't recommend that um or it can go if you do get filled over it can go to landfill but it will decompose in a few weeks instead of a few years but that's definitely something that's on my mind with the plates because even though they are better than plastic i think we can do so much better and i have i don't want to let too much off but i've got some ideas coming in um you know the next kind of six to eight months of what we can do plate wise um so yes watch the space <laughs> oh that's really exciting and the reason I asked that is, is because I didn't realize for a long time so um we obviously recycle cardboard but I didn't realize for a long time that if cardboard or paper plates had food on them that they couldn't be recycled yeah. um I genuinely didn't realize that and then when I did realize that I switched to not recycling them um that's really interesting what you said at home composting so thank you that is a great tip so I could take leftover paper plates and then put them in the home that's thank you for that because that's you know I think when we when we want to be doing our bit it's really frustrating when you feel like you can't recycle something but you sort of especially when you've bought paper plates because you want to do your bit for the environment and then you find out that you can't actually recycle them so that's really useful yeah, just double check on um, if you do buy paper plates or so forth, double check they don't have a PLA lining, um, which is like a plastic lining, because if they do, then they can't be home composted because um, the PLA lines on it. So a lot of paper plates, that was another issue I came across um, is and that's why we haven't actually got any branded plates yet um is because I couldn't find a manufacturer I actually have found one now which is great but I couldn't find a manufacturer who didn't have that PLA lining on the plates um so yeah just something to think about I think sometimes we think all paper plates but actually if they've got the plastic lining on um then you know you wouldn't be able to do that I had absolutely no idea that was a thing so I'm learning so much um yeah and speaking of that so I guess there's two things um so you mentioned a page to do, is there something you send to customers when they order from you then to explain how to reuse and recycle their products? Yeah, I actually have it. I'll quickly just show you here. It's like a little, um, so yeah, for everyone listening, it's like a little kind of leaflet um, thing and then they can scan it and it's a scan me um, and it will tell them how to dispose of their products in the correct way. Because um, I think there is a lot of misconception about, but I've got this product, what do I do with it? Like, I'm constantly thinking that, like, I'll buy something from the supermarket and I try and buy, you know, zero waste. So I'll try and go, like, more local and not have, and go and get my fruit and vegetables. Like, they're not wrapped in plastic. But I'm not perfect. And sometimes I might have to run to the um, the supermarket to get it. Um, and, you know, sometimes they don't have it on the back, like, what you need to do. And it's really frustrating because you're like, well, what do I do with this product now? So I've tried to break it down quite clearly and like how you dispose of each product and if it's got food on it, how to do it. If it's, you know, not contaminated, then what you can do with it. Um, and most people might know, but I just thought that sometimes, you know, you don't know and you can kind of be looking and it's kind of teaching, educating what's the right thing to do. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. I think a lot of people don't always know. I mean, I've certainly been in that situation where I've looked at something and thought, can I recycle this? Can't I recycle it? And then obviously the rules for where you, everywhere you live 
can be quite different so where we live for example we can't recycle you know like tetra pack um like imagine you get um I'm thinking we have oat milk and it comes in these cartons yeah. I think in some places you can recycle them but we can't recycle them um and I think when it's conf- when it's confusing for people when they're like what bin does this go in and can I recycle this or what do I do with that um it just makes it less likely that people are going to do it I think because it's just not as easy oh definitely and I think we definitely have an um an issue in the UK because every council is different and it's so confusing like it took me when I was researching for Pico it took me months to kind of work out what I what you could do with these products and the difference between like I said industrial composting and normal composting and the different waste units that um, different councils have and I think you know you have to take a long like I took a long time researching this and a lot of people fair enough to them maybe haven't even thought about it or just don't have the time to Um, you know so it it is confusing and I think we definitely as um as a country we have to get better because if we could get smarter and more efficient in it I think it could be so much better um, and really help to like reduce our waste as well definitely and coming back to the sort of education around around this um are you finding you're having to do lots of education before people buy from you so lots of posts and talking about the benefits of buying your products versus traditional plastic ones or are you finding that people are generally already pretty brought in I think yeah people are quite excited the one two things that I really wanted to have because you know the the eco-friendly sustainable side and you know have that really strong that's like at our core but also have these really great looking products that you know people don't feel like oh I'll buy from them because they're sustainable but actually like oh no I'm going to buy from them because their products actually great like they've got they look great they've got that that, um eco-friendly aspect like that's why I want to so it's like almost you know it's a really great benefit they are sustainable but they still want to purchase these products they look great um so you know there is a bit of an educational piece but most people I've spoken to really like that um aspect of it um and most people really like the designs as well um which has been great um so yeah, I'd say a little bit, but mostly people are are brought in definitely. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I was just really curious, I've, and I think you're right actually that I'm seeing just myself just when I go and and look a lot more products now do seem to be going that way anyway. So for example, um, if you went on Amazon and you searched for party bags, I I, I want to say that the first however many the first page of results are all paper. I'm fairly sure that when I last looked, they were all, you know, paper bags, whereas I'm sure 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, the best selling ones would have all been those plastic ones we remember from when we were kids. So I do think that things are definitely moving that way, which I think is great because it's I think it's always harder when you're having to sort of explain to people why they need your products. But I think, yeah, it sounds like that isn't needed which is I think it makes it a lot easier starting point mm. and I think something I just want to like mention as well it's like I think definitely with sustainable products they are a bit more expensive just because you know the route you've had to, it's still a newish concept and you know plastic and so forth is a cheaper option at the moment um, but one thing that I really want is at the moment, you know, I probably say my target market is people with a bit more money because they can they can afford, you know, these 
um, party products, but I definitely want as we grow. Um, I don't want to be an exclusive brand where it's like, you know, only if you have a lot of money, you can buy the products. I really want it to be a brand that is inclusive and still, you know, keeping that um, like um, eco-friendly aspect, but, um, you know, making it a bit potentially a bit more affordable um, for everyone. And I think with time as, you know, things go on, hopefully that will happen because um, the kind of the paper products will come, unit costs will become a bit cheaper, which will mean that I can, I can do that. Oh, yeah. I really love the vision you've got. Every time you talk about sort of your plans, I'm really just think I'm just so impressed. I can't believe that you're 23 and you've got such a clear vision for what you want to do. And I, I don't mean that in a patronising way. I'm just thinking back to when I was 23. I don't think I was very clear on anything really. <laughs> so I don't. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm not trying to be patronised. I'm basically thinking back to myself. Um, I certainly yeah didn't yeah. I don't think I felt so strongly about anything. So I'm super impressed and. Yeah. And I I wonder as well whether as things change, whether there'll be more suppliers in the UK who can do what you want um, as the demand increases, which I think it it will. Um, like you said, I think you I think am I right in saying you are the first company to be producing yeah, products I, at the moment? I haven't found any other company that, you know, their main kind of like root of their like for party products that is you know they've got like a real focus on sustainability if anyone listening has let me know um but I haven't found any um yeah in the in the market at the moment I think with the UK one thing that I'm really keen is I think more suppliers will hopefully come to the UK which will which would be great but I think maybe bringing it more in-house um so making the products actually you know I'd love to have this is another really good vision I'd love to have you know a place that we have we get all we make all the products ourselves like in um a unit um and uh you know it again so it's not like we're, we're going all around the country and trying to get um trying to get reduce the emissions even further if we get everything made made in-house um so that's it's it's it, I'm not sure that's definitely the way it's going to go it might not be but that's something that um yeah I would love to do that makes total sense as well um I can see sort of having everything under one roof I see that would be a benefit and yeah yet again I'm really just blown away by your by your vision and I also feel as well um that while I think you are it sounds like you probably are the first or at least one of the first to do this I don't think you're going to be the last I think that other companies are going to start following what you're doing which I think is amazing to be like out there ahead but hopefully as more companies think oh actually we could you know as more companies maybe spring up or adapt to become more sustainable hopefully that will change the the supply as well because I guess manufacturers will then also have to adapt if companies are saying okay we're moving away from plastic and we're moving more this way um it'd be really interesting um yeah I would I would love to see well hopefully I will be able to see in sort of in 10 years time where we are and how much things have moved on because I really think they will yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, as a company, you can stay in what was before. Um, and I have seen some party companies, you know, trying to change um, a little bit of their product ranges and so forth um, to align to be more eco-friendly. And yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, yeah, I think it would if you stayed thinking, you know, we can just sell everything. I think as well, people have changed, like people's consume, like what they want. Like, I think that cheap looking 
party, you know, like the foil type material. Um, I just don't really think people want that anymore either. Like, I think people want something that looks a bit more, a slightly more premium. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, you know, as consumers, they are changing as well. So and I think it is consumer driven that is making um, these companies change as well. Definitely. And I wonder as well if, you know, as, not, as well as the consumers, I'm assuming that there'll be change legislation around, you know, what products are made from, for example. And I mean, I'm hoping anyway that things are going to move in a way where it, it becomes harder for companies to produce products that aren't sustainable when there is a sustainable option. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think they're definitely, they're even, there's even talk, you know, of like um, getting rid of like um, single use plastic and stuff like that. Um, the government has spoken about it. So I think it is coming. Um, and yeah, I welcome it. Um, I think, and I think it's good. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not naive enough to think I'm going to be the only eco-friendly, you know, party business. Um, but I definitely, yeah, I want more businesses to be like that. And I, I think it's great that they, you know, people are thinking business is changing. Um, but I also think you, know, you need to be careful that these businesses aren't saying they're doing like, you know, greenwashing. They're saying they're doing something really great, but actually, you know, they're maybe covering something up. They're doing one thing that's great, but actually all the other things are not so good. So, and that's where, again, we have to do like, your kind of like consumer due diligence and that's that's tricky because you know you don't have loads of time to be reading up about um I mean I do I do read quite a lot on um like brands and stuff like that but a lot of people don't so hopefully I think laws will come in as well where people can't you know greenwash and say that something is when, when it's not yeah um and actually would you mind I mean I I know what greenwashing is but would you mind just explaining for anyone who doesn't yeah I don't and I don't know if I'm going to get the um the definition completely right but um it's where a business is claiming to be sustainable or eco-friendly um maybe they're saying they're doing one thing but actually they're kind of deceiving the consumer and um they've maybe doing one thing that's good or maybe even not really doing that thing but then but then actually in the background are not as sustainable or eco-friendly as they're making out that makes sense so for example maybe they're you know all their products the products are sustainable but they're flying them over from China and causing you know loads of emissions or something like that yeah definitely and they're not being completely transparent um and I think that's really important to be um as transparent as possible like I've said before you know I think we're starting great you know um making the products as sustainable as possible for what's in the realm but I think there's still so much more that I can do and so much that um you know and I'm going to keep pushing to do that oh yeah and I've no doubt that you will and that you are doing that and before we finish I've got two more questions first thing is are is there anything around your own sustainability practices that you haven't mentioned anything that you're doing um or you're moving towards that you haven't talked about and because we know you're not greenwashing us because we can tell that you are definitely um, fully on board is there anything we haven't spoken about um I guess I think nothing with the only other thing is um I guess trying to go with um I mean I actually heard this in one of your podcasts before we do plant a tree with every order um just to help you know reduce the offset but at the moment 
yeah, that's kind of like I'd say with how the products are made and um, yeah, the like life, the, the afterlife and trying to keep things close to the UK. Those are the, the main core things that we have at the moment. But yeah, always looking for more ways. I did see the plant in your, the tree on your website as well. And I just want to make sure I gave the opportunity if you talked about, about that, if you wanted to. Um, and then finally, and this is the last question I ask everyone here, what would your number one piece of advice be for other product creators? Oh, yeah, I, I saw this. Um, I would say time, just like give it time because, you know, we've only been started for three months, but I am in such a different place to where I was when I first started. And I'm in such a different place to when, before I started, I know so much more now from three months ago. And then three months before that, I know so much more. And you just have to, you know, I think we hear about these overnight successes of people that they start with, and that's amazing that they do. They start businesses and they're a success straight away. But actually, I think, you know, to start business you really do need to have time and you also need to have resilience which I'm sure you know most founders um, know about you just you have to keep kind of going and don't burn yourself out but give yourself time and really you know yeah I would just say keep going and you'll be if you're stuck in somewhere right now take a break and then you you know, take a moment to kind of think everything over. And then in, you'll probably look back in three months time, be like, I got over that. And then I'm on to the, the next hurdle type thing. So yeah, just, I would say, give it time, give it time to get orders up and give it time to, you know, learn so much more to get to the next stage. Yeah, time. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's really good advice. And you're right, because I think it can be really tempting to, I would be really tempting to sort of do everything quickly or you can get really disheartening that things take time, but mm. I definitely think it's worth spending that. Time. And that a lot of the, what am I trying to say? I think there's so much more time up front than you realize, but it's all the stuff that's really important. like all the research and the stuff that feels like maybe you're not actually getting anywhere, but I think it's really good groundwork to be mm. doing. Definitely. Like I think about it when I was just, you know, sat on my um, desk um, every morning and Pico was really just a vision I remember thinking, is it ever going to become like reality? Like at one point I was like, am I really going to get there? And if I can think of myself a year ago, I I feel like really, wow, okay, I did it. Like it's just the start and there's so much to come and I'm so, so excited about that. But I didn't, in a sense, I didn't think I'd be here at one point, but I am. And then hopefully, you know, I've got visions for the next six months and next year and hopefully I can look back and be like, I actually did get here and, you know, be proud of that. And I think as well that it seems like a long time, but then I mean, I was mentioning big one before we started recording that we last spoke last year. And to me, the time in which between we last spoke and speaking to you today, when I look at how much you've done in that time, I just go, wow, you've done such a lot in a short space of time. So I think often we're quite hard on ourselves as well. But um yeah, whenever you speak to any or any sort of company founder, they've always, always been working on it for much longer than, than you'd think. And actually, even a lot of like massive companies now, um, and I know we're all small businesses, but when you even talk to massive companies, they some of them took like five, 10, 15 years to actually get to be, you know, a household name or in some cases get to be selling 
anything much at all really you know see any kind of success so I just think yeah we're often quite hard on ourselves but it really doesn't matter how long it takes does it no I know and I think that is again maybe we have like I said you know we you see things like I even saw things and I was like oh but like you see these overnight success stories and all these kind of things but mo- I don't think most companies do actually it does happen like that um so yeah don't be disheartened that if you know I would say don't be disheartened if you haven't if that doesn't happen for you because yeah there's so many companies that it didn't happen but they have been huge successes but it's taken time so yeah just give it time yeah I think overnight success is actually a myth and um, I'm pleased if anyone wants to prove me wrong on that that's fine but I would say nine times out of ten it's a myth and that actually that overnight success has probably been working away quietly for much longer than any of us realize yeah I agree I agree but yeah let us know anyone if um prove us wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure I will be proven wrong on that um well thank you so much Kim it was so lovely to talk to you thank you so much for all you shared as I, as I said I'm just so impressed by your vision and by everything you've achieved and everything that's to come as well because I've got a feeling that yeah there's a lot to come yeah no thank you so much for having me I actually am someone who um really always listens to podcasts so it's kind of been a dream to be on a podcast one day so thank you (laughs) oh you're so welcome Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.